Oh, man. Hollywood Undead live performance from three months ago? God, this sucks. Holy hell. Like, I don't know if this is like a newer song or if they've always sounded like this, but I don't know how this band got popular. It's just the worst kind of every genre it tries to be. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I remember at the time it was that. It was like, we're the slipknot of MySpace, crunk core, sad boy rap or whatever. And. Why are there five of them rapping? Like, why? They all sound the same. Okay, they all taken, they've all taken the masks off, like, 15 minutes into oh, the really? set. Okay. So, like... Like, these vocal tracks cannot possibly be live audio, like, sometimes. Are you, acu- are you accusing the Hollywood undead of lip-syncing right now? Like, I, I know the guitar players are plugged into just, like, racks, so mm-hmm. it's okay for that, that to sound very studio-like. What's, what's that one guy's name? Like, Sussy Jeff? <laughs> um, okay, Shady this, Jeff. That's this right. one guy is absolutely, like, pushing 50. This is insane. <laughs> I'm having a hard time moving past. It's just been a long time since I've seen like Johnny Three Tears and Duck Curls <laughs> next to each other. <laughs> Hollywood were never going down, indeed. I guess why talk about Hollywood Undead in 2021 when you could be talking about New Limp Biscuit? New Lin- I would also describe New Limp Biscuit as rap rock, new metal, hard rock, rap metal, crunk. Would you rap, describe horror, it pop, as punk, horror, rap horror, pop, metal, core, post hardcore, EDM, West Coast hip hop, and uh, a little bit of gender. To put that uh, many genre tags. <laughs> Wikipedia. Oh damn. I mean, hey, I I didn't buy it, but somehow I did have that Swan Song CD with that Black Dahlia song. On it. I feel like we all end up with a CD or two that like we didn't buy or really even ask for, but we like mm-hmm. just ended up with a copy. I have that first Gym Class Heroes album. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even really want it. <laughs> hmm. My friend was just like, "I'm gonna throw this in the trash," and I was like, "I guess I'll take it." And uh, I just like have it. Hmm. I think that's how I got the Marshall Matters LP. When I was like nine. Well, that can go in the trash, though. I'm good on that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm good good with that Marshall Matters. Hi, my name is Digital Devil Story. Your girl said she wanted a Digital Devil Story, so I gave her a Digital Devil Story. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, they're getting... um, a digital devil story, I guess. Again, mm, well, they already got they already got it. They've gotten plenty of digital devil story, I think. But now, well, they're getting more. one more. There's yeah, two one more well, story. Um, mm-hmm. I was gonna say a never ending story, but it ends. <laughs> Boy, do it. Uh, were there any like ectoplasm, like jellyfish, like uh, something spews off a of Loki, and it's like. <laughs> and like crawling on the ground towards someone like just a blob i just can't remember how 
active the goop ended up being, but it wasn't. Maybe in book three, when where it still hasn't been translated. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe we'll just believe that it exists there. <laughs> For some reason, how active is your goop is popping into my head is like a YouTube <laughs> ad. Like it's it's the it's the testicle bacteria guy. But like, yeah, it's just like drink this can't wait for proprietary powdered tea blend that I made that I definitely didn't exploit labor to create mm. to make your goop more uh, active. No, how could no? I no a testicle goop guy definitely got his um his supplements. Like, I don't he know. was supplements. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the other guy. That's um. The guy that's like, coffee's bad for you. Um, My dad put me through art school and pays for this condo I live in. You should definitely buy my matcha powder that has cocoa in it. And I make you think that it's more than that or whatever. Are you talking about Yes, I'm explicitly. (laughs) Are we going to have to bleep? Yeah, I'm bleeping. (laughs) Twice now. I have to bleep it twice. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Mata. I did it again. Well, geez, I don't know. I kind of like in my brain, I was like, we should make this and we should make a really pained, protracted, drawn out like we fell in a hole in the forest type thing. And I was going to put cricket sound effects in and be like, gamers, is that you? Where have we've been down here for so long? Well, um, instead of that, you can just splice in crickets by horse the band. And we'll call it a day. Well, we'll do that. But making me feel. Where have we been? Where are we now? Where are we going? All mysteries of the universe, but things happen in their own time, just like um, new episodes of this podcast, of which this is one, and then there will be another one in a second, and then there will be more of them later, which later, which those have all been recorded now. There is a whole season, two seasons one that is two like Romna Romna one slash one, two one seasons. It's just one half. I thought it was one half. I know. Is I it know one half or good. is it one slash two? Like dream drop drop memory type. God. So. Um sidetracks. Okay, so <laughs> when I one of my very first anime things was like a VHS tape of like a Dragon Ball thingy. And it had oh, yeah. a Romna one half like preview at the beginning of it and from when I was a very young person, I was like, it's Romna 1-2. I don't know why, but my like sure. child brain was just like, Romna 1-2, that sounds like an anime-ass name for yeah. a thing. Because Romna half or one half doesn't sound anime. Yeah. Yeah. You're but it's probably wrong. half because if you've seen that, it's probably half. <laughs> I never actually watched it, I don't think, or read it or anything. Mm. I, I mean, I, like, I just saw it on the shelf of Blockbuster a lot and never actually. Mostly because there was a lot of yeah. like, we have volume one and two of this nine volume series. And yeah, that like it, didn't help me at all. So I watched it as a very young kid because it was in the previews for that thing. And I, it definitely had a lot to do with um, what happened to me, let's say. Um, hi cat <clears throat> um gender wise anyway uh <laughs> oh yeah that's the whole thing okay i forgot what like, the crux of that yeah, it's the whole hot water cold water yeah yeah 
I think anime was necessary to push uh, leftism in America. Um, for sure. Yeah. I don't think we would have as many leftists as we do today without anime. I mean, we got a whole lot of something God else, too, it. but, you know, it's complicated. Hmm. If I were but a college rate, professor, oh. that's what I'd be teaching is, like, <laughs> the anime theory. Mm, cursed, very cursed uh, curriculum. Coursed, coursed curriculum. <laughs> um, what else is coming? Uh, a game. Figure that out. Um, that's the season that's been recorded. There'll there's be a only third one. season, right? We're doing. There's, there's a couple. It's a se- mm. There's a sequel to the thing. Um, mm. But yeah, so this is what, here's some stuff that's like what a bonus episode would be like, I guess, in the future of other extra content. There's more content that's gameplay coming. I don't know what we're going to do. Content exists. With five, I'm not sure. Um, I'm already, I'm personally on my own time wrapping up a playthrough of three, just, you know, because that's the kind of game you need to do a whole 75 hour um, dry run of before you can do it again to do a show about it. Digital Double Story, I don't know. <clears throat> should I do a 60-second plot like recap? Because I feel like it's been long enough at this point. There, like we, I feel like I would be like, you remember it's in the book episode. You don't even need to. It doesn't even need like to be eight, 60 eight seconds. Uh, school kids, I think you'd the computer, the devil comes out of it. You fight the devil. Uh, you awaken as gods. No, you're missing all the nuance. Um, like you're missing there is no the nuance, and that's what of... we're here to talk about: the complete lack of nuance. I mean, you um, did say you wanted to crush nuance in season true. one, I believe. So, time is a flat circle. It was already crushed by this OVA before mm. we set out to do this. Yeah, if you're listening to this, you probably already know the deal. It's like, you know, the world's most annoying boy who never did nothing wrong in his own eyes doing a bunch of computer Crowley magic to, like, techno technologically, psycho-spiritually take over everyone's brain to have cyber sex with Loki and a bunch of people die. And Japanese creation myth, mommy-daddy-godhead. You know the drill. We're all missing. All that to say, if you're listening to this, it's too late. Quitting the podcast now? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I'm quitting the podcast because the new version Damn. of Discord is uh, Damn. difficult to use. Sorry, that's what this episode is actually about. Uh, no more. You heard it Bye. here first, everyone. Everybody. Pod canceled. Sorry. This is now a Destiny 2 podcast. Welcome. Yeah, I guess it's just Justin Solo for a while. I don't know, but I'm going to be hitting the hitting the old Dusty Trail, <laughs> as it were. Um can't take it anymore. Discord Inc. Um, power to the gamers, but not this one. Damage Inc. I. This 70 track Metallica cover comp is ruining my life just by existing, which I guess just shows how powerful. Metallica has made themselves. Perhaps mm-hmm. they were doing a bit of chaos magic infused with a little technological know-how 
digital devil story. Who do you think in Metallica <laughs> is the one person that would be into chaos magic? I would think past, present, future, maybe the original bass player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could make an I could honestly make a strong argument for Lars because how else would he <laughs> like how else would he be able to fool the entire uh, yeah I think you have to be a pretty powerful chaos yeah. magician like if Alistair Crowley could sit in a cafe in London dressed at least be so assertive that people pretend he's invisible and thus achieving invisibility I think you can kind of see where I'm going with that <clears throat> that whole thing. Well, digital yeah, we devil can't. story Megami Tensei OVA, huh? Yeah. How about um, how about that? I guess that's what we're here to talk about this this time. Um if it was just whatever, there'd be no point in talking about it, but I really do think it does stand out, quote unquote, in enough ways that it kind of merits a little bit of discussion, even if it is to kind of <clears throat> rebuke the more nasty elements of how this whole thing started. Well, you know, I this OVA feels like the first step in trying to separate yeah, what would I'd, become the franchise from the source material. They cut out a decent mm-hmm. bit of the of the just horse shit with this. There's a yeah. couple things, but I gotta they, give them they credit. do mute some of the crazier nonsense here. In only 45 minutes, I suppose they do kind of, in their own way, try to lean into the stuff that's actually cool here and excise the really unsavory stuff, but there's still... Well, I mean, to be fair, there isn't a plot. when They do excise most of that stuff, and there just straight up isn't a plot here that's very coherent if you haven't already read the book which I guess is another thing that we'll get into. Yeah, it's hard to turn your brain off from, like, knowing what you know watching mm-hmm. it. It, I mean, it kind of, like, you just kind of figure out boy computer summoning goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Something about gods of creation, and then yeah, <laughs> it kind of just ends. Yeah, and like later in later in this episode, we'll be joined by some friends to kind of corroborate that whole there isn't anything here to grab onto aspect of this whole thing. For now, they're just muted in the Discord chat, though. Um, We won't unmute them until we're done saying our piece. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Don't believe their lies. We pre-recorded that episode. They're sitting God. politely in their in their house right now. You know the the meme of the old lady with the gun where she's angry. <laughs> where we we just have them in a corner like that while we talk. What uh, was that? Huh? What was that? Oh, I'm drumming on my I'm drumming on my chair oh. leg. I actually couldn't tell if it was like a gas powered like bong or something. <laughs> So it was just like while you were oh, like yeah, ripping. Man. That's my um god steampunk bong. 
If I wasn't, if I hadn't had so much of my energy sapped by the sun today, I'd have enough <laughs> left to make a really funny, like, Dead by Daylight generator bong mm. joke for the Damn. real heads. But I just, Damn. I'm sorry, That's everyone. Yeah. I don't have That's it tight. in me today. I barely have it in me enough to talk about Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei OVA. <clears throat> well, we'll try to keep it brief. Start to finish. There is a lot happens. that you could go into here, but most of it is. Um, I don't think it merits. I don't think the source material is earned. The deep dive I went on, at least, if I'm being totally honest with myself, I was definitely <laughs> doing it out of a sense of desperation to kind of. If I find something really, really cool then, like, it won't fix any of this, but I'll feel better. And, I mean, I satisfied myself, but whether or not that holds water for anyone else, we'll let mm, everyone be yeah. the judge of, of that when we're done. Well, we can mostly riff on it because I, we already talked about the book, and all this movie does, really, mm. is pretty much completely remove all of Yumiko's subplot anything about her is pretty much just yeah. ripped right out of this book or this movie film tv show clip whatever it is called original yeah, a video a short origin yeah there you go um she's just like quite literally a vessel uh there's thankfully slightly less objectification of her that's cool i guess mm-hmm. Um, they did keep the scene where the girl has her taint bitten that is in the movie. Yeah, it's exactly how you would imagine it would be. That's literally the, like, that is still the same. Uh, a lot of the Loki materializing and killing people and fighting thing is the same. Pretty much that whole fight scene's identical. Mm -hmm. The bank murder is extremely similar, except now it's all women instead of men, of course. <laughs> and it's still uh, it's it's very radical. I will give it that. Like the just the whole scene of everyone getting gobbled up and exploded is is cool in a schlocky eighties violent anime mm -hmm. way. But the the decision to make them women from salary men, as it were is a particular choice I'm not sure I understand or yeah there's some key some small but crucial differences like that kind of riddled throughout here that are I, I don't really understand why they made the decisions they made sometimes but I guess you know that that's just lost to the sand it like sands through the hourglass so are the days of days our of lives. our lives yeah. yeah okay there we go mm. <clears throat> Uh, frog lady, frog demon lady isn't here. Very upsetting stuff. Because they totally remove the subplot about the, the merc mercuric paint. So the whole the whole ending part of the book mm. revolving around Izanami's... Uh, Izana Izanami? Izanagi? Which one's the it's woman? Izanami, right. <laughs> okay, I was right. Yeah, I, I get mixed up. Yeah, that's all just gone. They just kind of go to outer space once they hit the tomb, and then there's a fight, and then the movie ends. The most interesting bit of the last chunk of the movie, though, is that Ohara is just furiously <laughs> searching for Loki. 
and mm-hmm. is eventually only met with a response from Set. But upon finding out it isn't Loki, she actually seems even more horny and excited. Yeah, she's which is just just alarming. Very into the idea of a new snake daddy in a way that I'm not. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not comfortable with anything that happens with her subplot or whatever you want to call it, but that's kind of, that's really the cherry on top. But, and like, they do, they do also make her little cyber sex thing more of a focal point than it needed to be given how much stuff they chose to leave out. Mm. So I I don't know why they left out or included anything is anyone's guess. Well, and one of the more interesting things to me about the direction of that whole thing and and that decision process is like to bring everything back to Izanami and stuff. Like not only does this OVA sort of rely on you being really familiar with the source material in in the moment, um. It also, you, you're expected to know or at least be aware of like the Shinto creation myth, more or less, of Izanami and Izanagi, which are the annotation in, um, and there's a mosquito in here. God, hold on one second. Skeeters. I just like noticed this mosquito out of the corner of my eye. And it skeet, fucking, skeet, ah. skeet. Am I right or am I right? Okay. Right. So, what was I saying? Annotation. Oh, yeah. So, like, at a certain point in the... Don't watch it, but there is a a subbed uh, Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei OVA English subtitled on YouTube. Uh, The person who did the subtitles, I think, also threw in a few annotations about some stuff. One of them, I think when Izanami gets brought up one time, meaning when Nakajima just shouts Izanami's name, um, a thing will pop up that says uh, that Izanami is like the mother of all gods or something in the Shinto religion, which is kind of like half true. Um, The long and short of it is that this this whole thing kind of relies on you knowing that Izanami and Izanagi are like the... You know the Zeus and uh, his his wifey goddess. Oh, I don't know. Um, Sorry, you know, I'm not they're very the, educated guys. <laughs> Y'all know that in the in the Shinto religion, like they're the husband and wife creation team, more or less. Megami Tensei means reincarnation of the god or goddess in which the Nakajima and Yumiko are are that. And they are the reincarnations of Izanami and Izanagi, who are the creation deities in the Shinto religion. You're just kind of expected to be aware of that because this whole thing really leans into that aspect of it a lot. And they keep showing you over and over again. The the myth behind it is that, like, somehow Izanami ends up in the underworld. And Izanagi goes to free her, but because she's been in the underworld, she's like this rotting. It's one of those like the pillar of salt things. Like if we run out of here and you don't look back at me, everything will be cool. But you got to trust me and not look back. 
And then he does, and she becomes like a rotting corpse because she's dead in the underworld. And because it freaks him out, she's like, you asshole, you like, you know, you didn't trust me and all this other shit. And essentially curses him and sends a bunch of other like feminine demons after him, which are, I'm not even going to take a shot at this pronunciation, but it's Mm. a demon that's in the game a bunch later. That's a thing that I think is fun. Um, That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's my one. Like, this is a cool thing that I took away from this. This is my diamond in the rough, I guess. Give me the lamp. It's basically Nakajima just keeps having these fever dream flashbacks where he goes back and like remembers that in a very Dune-esque way where it's like, ah, this is my ancestral memory locked in my DNA or whatever. And he relives that over and over again. Yeah. They never really explain any of that in that movie and... It doesn't really terminate in anything. It literally terminates with him holding her corpse and yeah. crying. Yeah, and what which it, is it's fully after she should have been like resurrected and everything's mm-hmm. fine, and that just doesn't happen. I guess they thought it would close out yeah. the story and make it a contained piece of media, but then they give you the part at the very end with O'Hara where she just finds a new <laughs> demon lord, and I, I don't, I don't. It feels like a piece of media that was written five minutes at a time, but they completely forgot the prior five minutes. Yeah, and I don't know. I think that ending is because they did think they were going to get to make two more for the next two books. Um, I know you have a different opinion of that, but... (laughs) That's probably just because I watched so many OVAs at block from Blockbuster that like yeah. probably had sequels, but I didn't know that. And I just thought everything just ended on like a weird cliffhanger. And that's just how those always were. It's like, damn, all Japanese animated media is just very unsatisfying. <laughs> it's built yeah, that I mean, way. You know, to call back to my Guyver 2 story, like they just pulled a bit from that whole series that's like kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. and they just made it into an OVA and it kind of just starts out of nowhere and ends out of nowhere and I don't really know why they did that so like I can't there there has to be like a legacy to that format that explains why it's a thing that occurs with it but I don't know part part of me one of the actual more interesting things about the production of this whole thing is flip, flipping through the I mean, if you've listened to the book episode, you you know what happens and you should have. Yeah, you're really only getting a diluted, like very sort of disjointed version of that story if you watch this. And there's really not a lot of like super cool visual things happening to justify watching it yeah. either. Unless so you're left with something that's not it's just not even half of the whole with still some of the grosser bits left in with kind of decent for its era animation. So it's kind of just a waste of your time, probably at the end of the day, unless unless you a don't value your time mm-hmm. or B, you've just seen it all and you just need to see something that you haven't before. 
maybe this is something that's just the nature of how all of this stuff was being done at the time. And I just don't have a very clear window into it yet. And um, maybe it's not that weird, but a lot of people who had their hands in a lot of other stuff that I actually do love had their hands in in making this, which I, I think is is pretty <laughs> weird. But maybe it was just a pretty small world in and of itself at the time, and and everyone kind of had their hands in everything that was going on, more or less. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's my gap in knowledge in this. I'm just like flipping through my notes and just found like. In between when I'm like lamenting how Cerberus just isn't as cool here as he should be, I'm like, it's, it really sucks that they deleted his dopey friend from the OVA entirely because I really feel like he should be the hero instead. <laughs> and he like stops Nakajima. Uh, yeah, oh, I forgot about the friend. That's just such a like <laughs> inconsequential part of the... Because his he kills his friend, right? No, he doesn't or, kill him. Or he does, just like does the friend runs end up off just, eventually? Does he just end up a zombie or whatever? Yeah, I, th- I think I so. thought the friend got killed. I thought like the friend got murdered by one of the zombified students or something. I, it literally doesn't matter. I really wanted a version of this where like. Uh, I don't know. His friend just goes full Rick from Degrassi and nice, yes. puts one in his back. Damn. You made me do this. <laughs> While he's trying to summon Loki. Look, you know, I feel computer. like people try to rag on that, <laughs> that whole arc and that scene. But like, I watched that like twice and it it fucked me up when i watched yeah no same yeah when i watched jimmy get shot like say what you will about drake he he's definitely a pedophile but Mm -hmm. he 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 acted the shit out of getting shot in a high school shooting scene he that i felt that (laughs) shit when it happened yeah if you're not in the know um this is a reference to Canadian teen show Degrassi in which Drake had an early acting role in which his character ultimately gets shot in the bag and paralyzed by uh, a school shooter dude named Rick. So spoilers for like 20 year old Degrassi subplot, I guess. Degrassi stood for something in a way that I feel like a lot of stuff doesn't. So, Rats off yeah, there was a there was a particular uh, intangible flavoring that made mm-hmm. it up, uh, held it apart from your OCs and your Dawson's yeah. Creeks. Um, at any rate, I'd love for this to be like a CW um, teen drama <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can talk about seven seasons of Supernatural. Only seven? Yeah, I stopped. I think I got halfway through season eight, and I was like, I can't anymore. But this isn't a Supernatural podcast yet. No, not yet. Not yet. But I I guess to bring everything back to the matter at hand, um, everything that I described to you earlier about Nakajima's horror flashbacks to the underworld and his uh, corpse wife, 
all of that is set against this music that's like honestly some of the most unhinged stuff that I've ever heard in an anime and particularly the parts where it's supposed to be very serious the like I'll un, I'll clip it in under where we're talking right now like it is the most I didn't even notice the music <laughs> I like I don't know why because you brought it up a bunch and I, I just mm-hmm. kept being like I don't I don't remember anything about the music in this like maybe maybe it was more like I was just focused on reading subtitles and like just didn't really care mm-hmm. about the sound or maybe I didn't even have the sound up that loud so if you have if you have like a link to the soundtrack or something, I, w- I would like to listen to it. But Oh, I very much do. And nice. if you'd like listen to the like the opener is the, the one that I'm talking about specifically right now. At like 45 seconds or so is where like it starts and the crazy noises kick in. And this is and this is when Nakajima is being chased by Izanami through the underworld. That's what's behind it. Um, uh, this already, this rules already. Yeah, it's like it's crazy, and then like the like the the just the sound effects that happen. Yeah, it's, it's not to make this a music thing like we always try to do, but like sound listening to a soundtrack sometimes you cannot tell that it's for like an extremely low budget OVA Mm -hmm. because like so many composers just give it their best and it just ends up like I'm not gonna I'm not trying to say that this is like on par with like a John Carpenter soundtrack or something but it's like if you just listen to it with no context you would know that it's not from like a major motion picture or something and I love that about music and movies and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's the thing. And and that's like the thing that I wanted to talk about, because that is what grabbed me. Like that is one of the only positive things that stood out to me from this whole thing is I was like, this really sounds like this dude was just locked in a room for a week with a whole bunch of synthesizers, just twiddling knobs and tickling keys and like really just having a ball with what he was doing. And like, Probably not paying attention so much to what he was like, what he was scoring in terms of what's going on in the OVA, like to its detriment, maybe. But it still stood out to me in a way that I wanted to look into what was going on with that. And that's kind of the rabbit hole that I fell down. And like, I mean, it's it's pretty funny because this guy is obviously he was keyed into a lot of stuff that was going on in this world at the time because one of the first successful independently released pieces of independent original video animation is this like little short four or five episode thing called Dalos that this guy did the music for. And it's a pretty typical like Near future, Earth's out of resources. We got to mine the moon. Oh, there's people here and we made them mad. <laughs> like, it's, it's a very typical one of those, but it's got that same kind of, like, this man is just a keyboard wizard and he's just getting at it in a room by, his, by himself while other people are making this animation. And they're just like, uh, here, by the way, I... I've said all this without saying the guy's name. It's Hiroyuki Namba. Um, 
just just to get that out of the way. Hero Yui made the yes. soundtrack. Yes. Little known fact. Damn. Uh, Do you think that they gave him like a couple of like like key art samples of like here's what the main characters look like. Here's what the bad guy looks like. Here's what the settings look like. And he that's just like what he got to go on. Because some of these sounds, I, I think, think so, yeah. They have a whimsical sort of demon high schooler vibe or whatever. So I could mm-hmm. see it. But like the placements and like the, some of the arrangement is a little just like this dude's just going off. Mm-hmm. And like definitely doesn't know what half of this is going to be used for. Yeah. And even like in God, so to kind of break off a little bit. So uh, everyone's favorite little shithead, Aya Nishitani, uh, was mm. also involved in some of the composition and uh, wrote some lyrics for uh, track seven on the soundtrack, which I think is playing when he's a, when Yumiko wake, awakens as Izanami or whatever. Um and there's this like synth saxophone solo that happens in it that just yeah my man is absolutely shredding um lyrics of the track are awful um yeah you don't say that track's awful that track sucks <laughs> but the, the keyboard solo rips so very unsurprising on that front I'd buy this in vinyl this this does rock. Mm. Um, and the other, I, I bring this up with uh, with Ollie and Monica later, but he also does the music. It's not the music isn't quite in the same vein, uh, but he did do the music for the little known Starship Troopers OVA that uh, came out in '88. It's like six 20 minute episodes or so I woke up really early one morning last week and kind of watched the whole thing um, drinking like two cups of coffee it was uh that is psycho yeah it, like, I'm not I gonna give you anime like, expert like yeah rights on that one I would never do that so I, you, got, just, you got the juice now I just kind of fell into it and it's not it's not a particularly great interpretation of the story or anything uh they do turn it into a full-on mech anime though like they're in Mm -hmm. gundams fighting the bugs which are singular it's a singular type of bug um you don't get to see any any real cool they're like they're like really fucked up kirby's that kind of float around and go like and then they shoot energy balls. It like kind of rocks because it's really <laughs> unhinged. But those bits only happen for like 45 seconds in the last three episodes. And the rest of it kind of is a whole bunch of people running around and just screaming at Johnny. And then, um, I mean, I'm kind of look at, I'm spoiling a lot of what happens in Starship Troopers. I don't get like the, the asteroid thing's pretty neat. Like, it's fine. If you want to watch, like, a solid hour 45 of that mid-80s, real low-budget animation, like, vibe, and you want it to be Starship Troopers, but you also kind of want it to be Gundam, it's not the worst thing you could do with that amount of time. Yeah, from what I saw of it, it looks very, like, 
maybe it came out in the 80s, but the quality is definitely more of a, like, 70s anime, probably. Mm-hmm. It's very... Yeah. It's very, like, all of those shows that maybe you remember if you're old enough that were just brought over to America in an effort to sell toys. So they just found anything they could find in Japan to just localize and try to market. Like, mm-hmm. the way all of those shows looked in, like, the late 80s and early 90s. It just, it looks like the worst parts of that. So it's got a, <laughs> it's got a pretty low-grade look to it. But some of the designs are cool, and I did happen across a series of photos of someone who made a, like, full-size, all-metal, like, mech from that. Like, they mm. welded a, like, statue Damn. or whatever. Okay. Like I, I don't know if it's the psycho shit of, like, the people who made the fully mobile, like, mech warrior. Or, like, the people who make Space Marine from 40K, like, armor they can wear. I don't know if it's quite mm-hmm. that far. But it was, like, a one-to-one scale metal uh, Starship Troopers anime suit. Hell yeah. So... <laughs> Gotta give it, gotta give it to him for that one. That's a lot of it's mm. a lot of dedication. What else has he got? Burn up um, W. Yeah, and so what I was gonna do is like, if you are a real head out there and you're someone who just dives deep into all this shit, you might recognize this guy from uh, he did most recently. He did Space Dandy, which I'm not too into the whole space opera comedy thing. It's like fine. But he did all the music for, I I don't want to call it like super formative, I guess, but Armitage III was one of the earliest things in anime that I experienced when I was like definitely not supposed to be experiencing this level of, of stuff. Um... And we definitely will get into this kind of stuff later with Ali and Monica, where there's a a very bad underside to this type of anime, much like there's a very bad underside to the early Megami Tensei stuff, where it is, like, pretty shitty, pretty objectively exploitative. It's just, it's not Gucci for the soul, you know, to consume stuff like this and pretend like it's not a little bit icky and and just kind of be honest with yourself that like when you're watching Armitage Polymatrix it's not <laughs> you know it's just not <laughs> kosher right like it's yeah it's fun of in its era and especially when you're younger and you're like Oh wow! It, that, like you're watching, like it's it's literally Kiefer Sutherland and Brian Cranston and company, like doing the voices in the English dub for the movie, and it's you know this insane cyberpunk dystopian thing, which is really cool when you're of a very impressionable age. But I, I think part of why we're doing this and part of why I feel compelled to even talk about half of this stuff is that I it, it, I just think it's important to be honest about what parts of this stuff just really suck and mm-hmm. shouldn't continue on with the medium. I, I think Armitage is probably the most mainstream that this dude's work has ever yeah, penetrated. Sure. So that's probably where you'd know this guy from. It's, 
I guess the second the second part of this little musical journey that I went on is do, do you remember the outro credit song at all for this movie? No. I think I yeah. like turned it off the second <laughs> that like the credits rolled. Oh man, you didn't listen to Lady Your Eyes by Yuri with the Cash? I'll put Damn. it on now. Um I don't know. It's and this is this is fully where we've gotten to the part of the episode where I spent an hour reading like GeoCities pages that I had to Wayback Machine just to get to. So I have to inflict everyone else with this now because I did it to myself, like I always do. I played myself. Congratulations. <laughs> I think it's really interesting to look back at merchandising for stuff like this and see how insular everything is and how, like we said, you know, the the guy who did a lot of the character design for the OVA went on to do a few different UC Gundam series. Uh, the director directed a bunch of other stuff. The producer went on to be a big time um, Ghibli person. Uh and like some it's just like interesting to me to look through and see some of these people who kind of didn't um get brought up on the come up so to speak with everyone else yeah <laughs> and uh one of those people i guess now i've kind of headcanoned uh this whole thing around the the the, the woman who what sings the outro song yuri sugimoto from the 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 titular Yuri from Yuri with the cash, the cash being, I guess, the house band at the time. She has such a like interesting knot of it doesn't fit with the era and the music like her voice is really different to me. So I was kind of like, I wonder if there's something here. And she used to be like a metal idol, like very much like if baby metal tried to happen in the 80s. Hmm. Um, and I found some of her other material when she went by like um, Yukari Ishiki, I think is how you would pronounce that. And it was full on like 80s hair metal. And she has this really like husky, low voice. Mm. And it's like one of her songs, Dynamite, not the BTS <laughs> song, Dynamite. Um, but it kind of rocks. Kinda. It's like worth listening to if you're into things with like a mid-tempo Van Halen riff and like a husky lady voice kind of belting at you. It 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 hits in a particular way. Um, but unfortunately, to to get this little nugget, I did have to like, like I said, I had to go through some really grungy parts of the internet and read about a bunch of guys who, you know go to weird import record shops and say things like I was attracted to this record because of her come hither eyes or whatever and gotta execute those motherfuckers on site that's not (laughs) that's not a wavy thing to say Justin I had to see not only that but I had to see some other guys say that she had bedroom eyes well so just like knock it off if you say that, knock it off if you're listening. Bedroom eyes is peak, like, 20-year-old woman-hating shit because your girlfriend broke up with you. I'm specifically yeah. specifically channeling Jake Bannon's lyricism on the Converge record, Jane Doe. 
that's probably another thing to shred to pieces on another podcast yeah. entirely. Y'all don't act that way. Um, For a minute there, I thought that she was the main female vocalist in the, the Nausicaa mm. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But that was just a misaccreditation on a like uh, on a website. I don't even remember the website that I was on at this point. This might have been the video game music database. Shout out to the VGM database, mm. by the way. Um, very neat resource. If you ever are wondering a thing about anything to do with a video game soundtrack, go go to that. This is a free plug for for the fine folks at Rivera. They're doing the Lord's work. The digital devil's work. But I, I was fooled by a different link on a different website. And uh, she actually was the female vocalist on this other thing called Amon Saga, which the morning before the uh, Starship Troopers morning, I, I watched Amon Saga <laughs> also. And it was... It's, it's, you uh, know, it's the weird. morning before the the all too important Starship Troopers morning. <laughs> <laughs> but Amon Saga honked. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but it but it does have some music on a compilation with Nausicaa, which was released through. Uh, what I think is probably a shell corporation that was like also owned the record label that put out all the soundtracks for these things. Um, I think there was a lot of money laundering going on with this stuff, probably. Yeah. But again, this isn't like, but this isn't like the audio only let's play version of Swindled, so we're not quite <laughs> equipped to go into that yet. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I, I will be the first to admit I'm not quite I'm not I'm not quite that talented. But that was I mean that's the end of like my rabbit hole. Like I said, there's there's nothing here that I that I like. Even the tiny bits of like oh wow they just flashed up you know the tree of life on the computer screen when they summoned the demon. That's pretty neat. But like it takes a lot for me to not want to talk about Cliffoth. Um, but I don't want to yet. So you're just going to have to wait for the Nocturne 3 season <laughs> for that, I guess. Well, before we get to the second half of this, do you have any personal recommendations that you would like to share? <sighs> you know, not really anything that I don't mention the second half, I don't think. Um, like I said, it's one of those things where the, the violence in this is... Uh, a bit much, but I guess I would say that I cut my teeth on like the early Vampire Hunter D movie and, and, and that kind of stuff. And um, though I don't think that that holds up 100 percent, really, no, I, it's it pretty good <laughs> and it's better than this for sure. Um, Like, I don't really have a whole lot of hard wrecks in this vein because I do think a lot of. This OVA and its ilk kind of fall victim to that very exploitative, creepy side of stuff. And and I unfortunately don't have a lot of experience with stuff that in hindsight isn't uh, just pretty rotten and a thing that I would feel bad recommending to someone yeah. else. Well, I'm going to drop a few things. Um... 
probably for better or worse, depending on which thing it is. And this is going to be more based on vibe because it's not like I have a ton of someone summons a demon with a computer and then kills the demon mm-hmm. because they're a god. You know, I don't have I don't have too many parallels <laughs> to that. Because um, I I've unfortunately was introduced to anime by one of my mom's boyfriends who was importing he was importing the like early wave of anime that was getting localized in America that would have been around the time that this OVA would have gotten picked up by whatever shitty like basement production house grabbed it. Like it was that like Mm -hmm. first boom of anime in America, but it was only done by like weird, like martial arts movies, production houses, or like just, just weird niche companies that didn't care what it was. So there was a lot of just like insane content that like no child should be watching being sort of like poured into my eyeballs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I won't recommend MD Geist because there's some questionable stuff in it. But that director went on to do another series that, if I remember correctly, does not contain any, like, assaulty objectification-adjacent material because it solely focuses on being hyper-violent all the time. Don't remember for sure because it's been some years since I've watched it. But... Genocyber is a thing that I always have to recommend if people try to talk to me about violence in literally any media because to this day I've never I've never watched anything that grossed me out like I'm looking at stills from these OVAs and they're all disgusting like just all the designs (laughs) are very just like you know there's something wrong and then all the scenes where someone's getting pulped or whatever are like just a bit too much so if you came to this wanting gore you probably should just watch that because like I said if I remember correctly there's not really too much objectification of anyone it is purely just people getting ripped in half and exploded and pulled apart and all this insane shit Mm. but you know and so I don't know what big big grain of salt on that yeah I that's that's a big like parental advisor if you're gonna go into that one. Mm. I don't want to like. And so when I want to go for like violent stuff, I just I don't know. I just want it to be rooted in something more like a, like a hell thing or something oh, like this that. Is where I beyond just, that, like, yeah, yeah. Like I don't like it. Like the hyper violent type stuff is not. Like I I really think that the way that they do the protoplasm here, where they do kind of take it one one more than the book does because I didn't quite go to it. when I was reading the book. My brain definitely went to oh, it just absorbs yeah, you too. and you melt yeah. into you it or whatever. And peacefully. and here you turn into a gigantic blister of blood that then just pops. Mm-hmm. Like that is really it's right on the edge of where I'm not going to get off the train because I'm still in it because that does objectively, like, that's sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you would puke if you watched Genocyber, I think. But, like, yeah. It's, 
even I, I'm very much like, I'm going to watch this once every decade just to re just to revisit <laughs> my childhood trauma. And then that is, that is it. It is now on Blu-ray so I can finally acquire it oh, through well, normal great. means. So that might happen in the future. Um, yeah. So, and like, again, older anime like this OVA is like, that's where I started. And so I mostly just, if it's an older anime, I'm like, oh, it's like blank, purely based on it being old. Like, it's none of it's like actually like thematically similar. Because like Genocyber's fully cyberpunk, I, but little girl turns into giants like monster thing <laughs> with yeah, other cybernetic people who do weird shit. Like the dude's hand pops open and there's a just a chainsaw inside of him. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want a less excessively violent but still vaguely actiony and occasionally sci-fi squeamishy anime, you could watch Iria, which is a very good mid-90s anime. I posted it in the ZB Discord. It, it has a very like Nausicaa-inspired world design oh, right it is very good like there's it's mostly just like an action sci-fi thing with an occasional like someone gets stabbed or something gets cut and goes but it's not like gross <laughs> it has a strong female protagonist uh who only is sort of objectified once when a little gerbil creature crawls into her her bosom because she's she's on okay. a hot planet with her thing kind of popped unbuttoned a little bit uh, but not too bad. Sure, it's a pretty, sure. it's a good, tame, short thing to watch that I, I feel no one really remembers except for like one person I know. So I do try to drop mm-hmm. that reference where I can. If you like good hand-drawn animation and you want some like squelch noise sound effect inserted here stuff like that that's probably the like tamest, safest, but still interesting place to go. Okay. And so I myself had never heard of that anime before in my life. And, so and I, I own it on it, DVD. So, so. Mm-hmm. you can borrow it. Everyone else has to get it themselves. <laughs> DM me actually, and then we'll just we'll pass it. Around. Look, I actually can't. I can't do that without one. I don't know how easily I could replace it. Unfortunately, I wish I could let everybody borrow it, but let me let me check real quick. Let me go to the shopping tab. Oh, $37 on Amazon? That's hmm. like an official like yeah, mine's technically bootleg, but it's but it's actually in a pretty radical packaging. Also purchased with Armitage. So, there you go. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it, full it all comes back around. Trying to remember if I, I feel like I had, uh, I guess, Guyver actually, because the protagonist in Guyver looks a lot like Nakajima does in this. Like, it's basically the same character design. Mm-hmm. So, if you want hand drawn 80s anime that is quote unquote violent, meaning someone gets cut and then blood spews out. That's the thing people like that's probably the closest thing is there's just a lot of like gross, like organic stuff happening. People getting turned into Mm -hmm. monsters and 
teenagers trying to fight evil and all that fun stuff. I've talked about Guyver a bunch, so I feel like <laughs> I feel like if anyone was like, "Huh, what's that?" they would have looked it up by now. So I won't get into that. But I think maybe Eerie is my only like real solid. You want hand drawn animation, sci fi, and gobbledygook monsters. Hmm. That's probably the only one I'd feel safe really telling people to watch. Genocybers, if you're an absolute freak, but don't DM me about it. Don't talk to us about it. You, you just that's on your own time. Do not talk to me about it under any circumstances. Do do as I say, not as I do. Or don't. Honestly, just don't. Just just pretend I didn't say anything, and you never heard it. Or just don't. (laughs) Yeah. Well. Thanks for hanging out. We know it's been a while, but the good news is if an hour and a half of this hot garbage wasn't enough for you, there's a whole extra hour of mad gabbing about religious children's media, straight to home video releases and strange tales from the road coming next week with our friends Monica Coleslaw and Ali Jafar. So until then, take care.